We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. You can find our show notes at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Goodness gracious. All right. To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate you. and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. LinkedIn is the channel that you can find me on. Just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that references social capital. I can't wait to hear from you. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you have to first understand your customer. Learn more at keystoneclick.com. The topic of relationships ties in very closely with marketing. That's why I'm bringing you marketing experts with a variety of backgrounds for you to learn and grow from. Today's guest is Andy Tarnoff. Andy is the founder of On Milwaukee, a Milwaukee native. He lived in Providence, Washington, D.C. and Baltimore before, before returning home in 1996. Andy launched OnMilwaukee.com LLC in April 1998 as a way to channel his passion for Milwaukee journalism, and tech into a cutting-edge media company. He's a graduate of the George Washington University and worked at the White House Office of Communications, the Dallas Morning News, Washington Bureau, and two Milwaukee PR firms before branching out on his own at age 23. Andy is more passionate than ever about On Milwaukee's mission statement, to grow communities and businesses through engaging digital media. Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, Lori. I'm... Your background is so impressive. Uh, when you read it, it sounds it sounds pretty good. Well, whoever but, wrote it did a good job. Well, I wrote it. Okay. But, well, you know, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds it sounds better when you say it. Okay, I've heard a number of people say that. Like, really? Well, you supplied it to me. Well, it, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's all true. <laughs> so, um, but with that extensive media background, I'm I'm curious because you know this is an area that I do not have a lot of strength in, even though I have a lot of marketing expertise, but PR and getting that media exposure is something a lot of businesses have interest in. So um, what do you, what would you tell a business, myself included, uh, what what you would recommend on how they do that? It's, it's, that's a good question because I've worked on both, both sides of the business. Um, I've been in PR and media relations and I've been in journalism and I've gone back and forth. And sometimes my role continues to be on both sides of things. So I know what it's like to pitch and I know what it's like to be pitched. And um, what I always tell people is make sure you have a relevant story for the outlet that you're pitching it to. Um, if I looked at my email inbox right now, it would probably be about 700 messages today of mostly people trying to get coverage of things. And most of the time it's not relevant. So uh, people are spending an awful lot of time um, putting energy into things that um, don't really match who they're talking to. And it makes it more difficult for us to sort through it. Um, back in the day, media relations equated to news releases. And now that's that's just one piece of it. So I would recommend that anyone working in public relations considers all the different tools that are available. Um, 
to get their message out and do it in a way that resonates with the journalists on the other side. So when you say the word relevant, I'm kind of curious, like how, how, how would I know what's relevant? Well, you have to think like a journalist. Okay, I'm not a journalist. <laughs> well, so, I mean, as a business owner, I mean, I, I, I think that's why you see an awful lot of former journalists in PR because they have that background. So that makes sense because uh, they have been on the other side. Um, so if you are not a journalist, if you didn't take any journalism classes, then you um, have to become pretty fluent in, in who you're pitching to. So on Milwaukee is a daily lifestyle and entertainment magazine about Milwaukee. So a B2B pitch about heavy engineering uh, outside of Milwaukee, it's not going to work, gonna work. Yeah. Uh, unless they can find an angle. So you got to figure out what what would be relevant. So you're not just kind of throwing everything out there and saying, cover me, cover me, cover me. You're, you're putting yourself in the head of a writer who is already on deadlines, uh, who has a lot on their plate and um, they're basically trying not to be annoying mm -hmm. because you can't just keep going back to the same well with bad pitches or eventually it, it starts to feel kind of spammy. Sure, I can see that. So, I mean, we're talking about some mistakes here. What other mistakes do you see um, folks, businesses making when they're trying to get the press's attention? Yeah, well, I think that you're, if you make it too hard on the journalist, um, make their job easier. Make their job easier, okay. right? So, so I mean, let's just start with like the basics of of news release writing. Like, if if it's a sales pitch, if it's full of typos, if it's faxed, you know, it's like, you know, give, give me something. Not not as much as they used to, but I mean, you know, give me something that uh, a very busy junior writer, if they wanted to, could pretty much copy and paste. I would never tolerate that from, from our journalists, but, you know, the best news release is one that is already written in AP style, if that's the, if that's what the publication uses. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not an ad, right? You know, people can pay for that. This isn't native content. Like, if, show me why it's newsworthy and write it as such. Um, the biggest mistake is, uh, pitching things that aren't, aren't relevant and then, you know, getting annoyed why it's not working and being, you know, blowing your shot on that, on, on something when you could have something else that, that would work um, because it's a relationship, basically, you know, some a stranger coming to me and, and asking for favors. It's like, you know, this, this is hard work mm -hmm. and we have a lot to choose from. So, um, understand what we are. Uh, I, mean, I get a lot of um, pitches addressed to the wrong publication. Ooh. I mean, it's like, come on, like, that's a pretty much surefire way to, Not to know, like, <laughs> no, you're the wrong name or no, you're talking to. Um, and then I think that uh, being respectful of the way that reporter wants to communicate. So for me, like, I don't, I don't want to do this over Facebook Messenger, or I don't want to do this over text. Um, and that's how people pitch me all the time. And I'll say, you know, could you please send me an email? Yeah. But other people would say, like, you know, fire me off a text or something. And remember that you're asking a journalist to do something. And if you make it too hard, and you don't respect their deadlines, you don't respect um, what they need. Um, you're just hurting your chances of of, of success. Sure. So that being said, what what makes something newsworthy? So when I was in PR, I spent some time researching 
who I was talking to. Mm -hmm. And newsworthy means different things to different places. Um, And that's why you have to tailor your pitch as opposed to just sending out a blanket thing to everyone. Um, You also run the risk of um, alienating um, places that think they're getting an exclusive or think they're getting a sneak peek or um, embargoing something and then one place respecting that and another place not respecting it. Um, so newsworthy means different things to different people. Um, if you, I would hope that a PR person or a media relations person would spend some time seeing what on Milwaukee does and tailoring their pitch to, to make it newsworthy for us and make it newsworthy for someone else. If, if that's their, their angle, you got to know what it is before you start reaching out. Sure. Um, you mentioned the word exclusivity. Can you explain that concept and why that matters? Yeah. It, so I'll, I'll give you an example of how not to do it first, okay. and then I'll tell you an example sure. of how to do it. Sometimes I'll get a pitch from someone saying, hey, this story, we, we were just covered in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Do you want to write something about it? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> My job is not to go copy someone else. Yeah. Or like, this was just in the Shepherd Express. This was just on Fox 6. Okay. I'm like, uh okay that's not really like why would i be excited about that um on the other hand if it's a kick-ass story and and someone says we'll give it to you first um now you've got a hook right that that might mean something to me because none of us want to sit around and write the same stuff that everyone else does sometimes we have to there's no there's no choice but um a good way to get my attention is to say We'll give it to you first, um, assuming you agree to go write about it sure. or do something about it. Yeah. Um, but doing it the other way around, that's like, I'm like, well, I'm glad you thought of them before you thought of us. <laughs> like, like, past, you know. Okay. Yep. I definitely made that mistake. Good to know. Um, I mean, I think people do that because they think that they're they're proving that it's newsworthy. Well, that was my thinking when I've done that. It's like, oh, look, this was so exciting and interesting that XYZ did run a story on it. Would you be interested in running a similar story? Would yeah, I mean, usually no. Your perspective, like, oh, yeah, no wonder. That's it's a really crappy story. feeling also when you see your own stuff just copied yeah. somewhere else. Because, you know, that's yeah. how, how assignment report, not at our publication, but assignment editors are frequently just looking at other publications and trying to figure out what they're going to put on the 10 o'clock news. And it's like, well, we, you know, we did the enterprising work to, to find this stuff. Um, and up there, it just showed up somewhere else. So, but there's nothing you can do about that, but the the days are gone where people remember where they saw it first. It's it's not like it, like, well, the media is just everywhere. Yeah, you're you're not the 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 way people consume media is they're not visiting a website and clicking around on articles. I mean, most of it is coming from social or being shared. So over time, there is a um, an impact on doing things well, but on a individual click by click basis, people may not remember where they saw it in the first place. So um, I mean, that actually argues against the concept of exclusivity, but. As journalists, we still want to to be producing something special and not just copying everyone else. So if I come and pitch exclusivity, how long do I wait to get a confirmation before I try to find someone else with that offer? 
Well, that's why you need to be respectful of deadlines. So there are some places that can turn stuff around in a day. And then there are some places that are, you know, have a month long lead time and we have 65,000 articles in our system. And right now there are a couple hundred ready to roll. Um, and, you know, this week I had to bust out a couple of different things on really short notice and I did it and we all do it, but um, you got it, you know, you got it. It's about this relationship that you have with a reporter. So if, if you're a stranger coming in off the street saying, I've got this exclusive for you and you don't hear back in a day and then you go to someone else. And then by the time they get through their 700 emails, finally get back to you and say, yeah, sounds cool. And you've already taken it to someone else. That's probably not going to build a very good relationship. Um, I would recommend that you build the relationship first before you start asking for favors. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll have that rapport where yeah. you can say like, Hey, this is, this is a big deal. I've got, you know, let me know in the next few days if you guys want to do this or not. Uh, if not, I'm happy to get you for the next one and then I'll, I'll pitch this somewhere else. Yeah. That's a lot better than trying to pitch exclusives to multiple places at once and then finding it some running somewhere else sure. before you even had a chance to get back to yeah. them. So um, now I'm going to go set deadlines and I'm also curious about change requests. How does that impact the relationship with the media? Uh, badly. Okay. Um, very badly. So the, the the most frequent thing I hear is, can I see it before it runs? The answer is no. Um, I mean, if we're talking about a very, very serious topic, you could read the quotes back to someone. Sure. But generally speaking, nothing good is going to come from showing an article to the source okay. before it runs. Um, and then what happens is happens a lot and it bums me out is after it runs or someone will say like oh you made me sound this way sure. or well, first of all i didn't make you sound like anything these are all like recorded interviews so you made yourself sound like this but if you trust that we are a legitimate news source then you have to trust that they're going to handle it well so if you don't believe that the publication tv station podcast whatever can do a good job with it, then you shouldn't be pitching them in the first place. Sure. Um, so when they come back and say, can you change this? Or, you know, I didn't say that. It's like, yeah, just because we can change it because it's not in print doesn't mean that we should change it. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes we get like, oh, I forgot to get permission from my boss to, you know, to mm -hmm. like, well, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. It's like yeah. deleting a tweet. Yeah, it's like, exactly. You can do it, but it still happened. Sure. You still said it. You can't unsay it. So, um, and that that stuff burns bridges. I mean, when when someone comes along, or, you know, begs for content, yep. we do it, and then they complain about how it turned out when we know what we're doing. Sure. Um, I mean, unless we're wrong, which of course happens. You know, there are typos, of course, and sure. we'll fix those. Yeah. But um, someone is complaining about what they got and there's nothing wrong with it, or if they feel like it didn't make them look as flowery as they hoped, I would say then you could be buying advertising because we're not, none of us are um, in the business of giving away. We're not like a community service here. We're not a nonprofit. Sure. We're advertising. We're all advertising driven publications and editorial is separate from advertising, but if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel glowing enough to you, then buy an ad. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um... So let's talk about what tips that you can offer our listeners to help them get that media exposure. 
So beyond the, the points about uh, relevance and mm -hmm. and writing like a journalist, um, it's being able to provide great photography, video, um, being responsive, uh, making yourself available, um, considering the timeline that that publication is on. You know, when someone says we have an event this Friday and contacts me on Wednesday, it's like. Yes. As, uh, sometimes it happens, but I mean, you're, it means something else isn't happening, and sure. it, you know, means that I'm working till midnight, and that's not fun. Um, beyond that, um, I, th I think it's really important to build that rapport in the in the right place. So, if, so if a reporter is very active on Twitter, don't start there. Um, sure. Again, I wouldn't fax anyone anything, but I think um, you know, just be be cognizant of how they want to get the information. Um, consider that. Consider when to make your request and when not to. Yeah. So I can think of a couple places that, like, you know, we did a great story on, then like three months later, like, hey, can you do another story on us? I'm like, we just did a story on you. Yeah. They're like, well, yeah, but something changed. I'm like, yeah, but my, we don't this isn't our only beat here, right, you know, right. like give me something yeah. really newsworthy and yeah. we'll talk about it, but we're not going to just keep on running the same story over and over again. Um, I think making sure that the people who you provide for um, interviews are, are have good media training skills because we've mm -hmm. certainly done interviews with people who just answer yes and no, and are just not into it. Yeah. And that doesn't it, work well. It doesn't work well. Juice and meat. <laughs> yeah, and to be confident. Yeah. And um, we've also seen it go the other way where where people just start spouting off about things that they probably shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And it's our job to 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 run with that, right? So like be sure what you're, 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 com you're comfortable you're, with what you're saying. Right. You know, you want your grandma to read that headline, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, we'll keep it PG, but I remember a chef once, you know, describing how he thought about other chefs. Oh, I'm like, wow, this is pretty. Uh, yeah, this is insane, but I'm going with it. Yeah. And he's yeah. just really mad after it ran. I'm like, those those were my words. Those were your words. And a friend who was interviewed on, on a local news station. Um, he's a brewer, and he kind of said something about other brewers and then he regretted saying it but that's his personality it was just being himself and he's like oh yeah now I hope no one comes <laughs> after me for that yeah so I would say even bigger picture it's on the PR side make sure that your client or yourself or whomever yeah. has the proper media training to know how to sure. to speak to that publication yeah because yeah. um, it's out of your hands after yeah yeah, I've heard of like creating message message maps before you get interviewed so that you have like your bullet points or your buckets of like what is approved to say so you don't accidentally say something that you regret. Yeah, this I mean now I'm gonna give away some secrets, but I think that when I'm on the um being interviewed side. Which you are right now. Which I am right now, <laughs> although you know we're friends, so it's okay. But um I tell I tell people on our staff or people that I'm giving media relations to or advice to that almost regardless of the question you get asked, make sure that you get the answer out that you want to. Sure. It's kind of a crappy tactic, but you can't necessarily trust that every 
busy reporter is going to have done the in-depth research and understand your topic like you do. Yeah. So if you want to go into an interview with a message, um, you know, make sure you get that out. Yeah. How, however you have to, if it's on broadcast, speak in complete sentences, say the name of your business. If it's, um, if it's in print or digital, uh, then just make sure you get your talking points out, but do it in a conversational way. So again, again, we never want to feel like we are being asked to run an ad. Sure. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. advertising. Well, yeah. And no one wants to be sold to either. Yeah. This is free stuff. Yeah. I and mean, this is earned media, sure. right? Public yeah. relations when it's done right, you're mm -hmm. not paying for it. Yeah. And so you have the following you do because you're not selling to them constantly. Yeah. The, our, our audience is our, our, our clients is our readers, our, yes. our readers, yeah. not our advertisers, yeah. because if you don't have readers or viewers, you don't have anything to sell to advertisers. Yeah. So you can't sell out your audience mm -hmm. with crappy journalism or clickbaity stuff yeah. or yeah. Um, low quality news and expect to have the engagement to be a profitable media company. And that's a risk that um, a lot of news organizations are in right now because they're looking for younger, cheaper, Stat stronger. Right. And, and that's that's fine uh, if they're good, but yeah. if they're not good, um, you start alienating your audience and you don't want to do that. And that sounds like a topic we could dive into on a totally different episode. <laughs> did, I, did, I, did I speak too long? No, too no, much? No, we're good. We're good. But I am going to, um, this is a good time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. All right, Andy. So, um... Fun information you shared. Thank you. I've got some random questions that may or may right, not tie into it, but okay. um, you have built quite a big community and I'm curious, how do you stay in front of and nurture that relationship in your network? As a person or as a... Any way you want to answer that? No. Uh, well, I'll answer it as an organization first and, sure. I, and then I'll answer it as a person. I think it's about remembering that media should be a conversation instead of a lecture. Okay, that's a good tip. Uh, in the olden days, before the internet, you, you know, you just stood on your pedestal and said, "This is this is the news. Take it or leave it." And you know, maybe someone could write a letter to the editor or something, and maybe it would run. But that was it. And now it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's a conversation. So your your name is attached. Your face is attached to everything. You're 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 experiencing. Uh, real-time feedback, you're looking at analytics, you're sometimes reading the comments, you know. Uh, so you you have to you stay relevant by being in the community or the topic in which you're covering. And it's, that dovetails into to me personally. We're covering Milwaukee. We live in Milwaukee. Yeah. We experience Milwaukee. Uh, and there's always a story uh, that's good and bad. I and mean, it's great when you're 
when someone tells you something, you're like, oh my God, that's an awesome story. Let's go with it. It's bad when you're sitting, having a cocktail and some PR person pitching you nonstop at the right and the right. You know, sometimes the wrong, like sometimes we don't want to work either. Sure. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so being able to turn it off sometimes allows me to stay more connected. Sure. If that makes sense. And, but also keeping our ears to the ground because when I started on Milwaukee, this kind of journalism didn't exist here. Yeah. And people were really surprised that, you know, that we were writing stories that hadn't been written before. And that was exactly what I wanted. That's why I moved to Milwaukee. I wanted to show the side of the city that I thought was just super weird and cool and fun and different than anywhere else had had written about it. And a lot of people can't go back 25 years and imagine what the the journalism landscape was like back then, but it was different. And and I'm not taking all the credit for this, but with our staff of awesome award-winning writers, uh, we've sort of changed the way people cover, cover content around here. Um, and I always say that that comes from being here. Like yeah. if we we would say like if we're you know driving home and we see some sort of um, you know new business opening up or under construction, we'll like pull over and ask what's going on. And sure. sometimes that's how we get our scoops. It's not it's not all from from being pitched stuff. Sure. I mean that's find the content. yeah. So it's about it's about being an enterprising journalist, but also making sure that you build the relationships with the people who are going to tell you stuff. So our dining writer, Lori Frederick, um, she's like, she knows all the chefs, she knows all the restaurant owners and they trust her and they, and she knows stuff that that is not out there yet. You know, she knows restaurants are going to close are going to open and they're not ready to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And if it's important enough, she'll break that story. But if it's about building a relationship for the long run, um, she can have confidential conversations because she'll she knows she'll be the first one to get the story and the first one to release it. So I don't think it has to be an adversarial relationship with the public relations community at all. I think it has to actually be more about trust and um, building rapport and truly knowing what you're pitching and when it's right and when it's wrong to 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 ask for that okay. that favor. Here's a fun one. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) How much time do I have? Uh, Let's keep it concise. (laughs) Can I say say, say 23 instead of 20? Because 23 is when I started on Milwaukee. Um, Well, I would have told myself, uh, stop being such a smart ass and uh, write better stuff. I also would have told myself to think more about monetizing um, and less about if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. I would have thought um, about how incentivizing the people who love our content to pay for it, as opposed to people that we don't, agencies, people that we don't know, people in other cities who don't feel the love here. Yeah. Um, so I would have I would have thought about that. Um, and I think that, I don't know, 23-year-old me was pretty fun. I really, <laughs> I, I wrote some pretty cool stuff back then and we've dipped back into the archives over the years. Yeah. Uh, I feel kind of like I'm the unofficial on Milwaukee historian because even though we have a few employees who've been with us since the early days, obviously I've been there the longest. Yeah. So I can't remember everything I've ever written or everything we've ever run out of those 60, 65,000 pieces, yeah. but I mean, there's there's like some amazing, hilarious 
so just some like you know bucket list interview i would have i would have never turned anything down i turned down a ride in the goodyear blimp once oh man and i gave it to a freelancer oh i mean that was stupid but it's hopefully you have a good relationship with that person oh she's not i mean she was fine she's not freelancing for us anymore but i was like i'm too busy I should like what? I screwed yeah. that up. Like I should have done that, you know. You were so, hard to get those opportunities. Yeah, never right? turn down those things. And I think that this job, I guess I will say this as it relates to this topic, this job presents us with amazing opportunities. Mm-hmm. And when someone can come to us with one of those, it's like I've, you know, I would like to ride in a helicopter. And then that happened. Yeah. You know, I haven't been on a submarine yet. So if you know anyone on the submarine, my bucket list is shrinking, but um. I love the experiential journalism, the unique stories, yeah. the things that um, I love telling stories that that people are like, oh, so that's what they eat inside the locker room at a Brewers game. Yeah. You know, tell me about yeah. that. Like, where, where else yeah. would you know that? Yeah. And just put yourself when you're talking to me and to my staff, put yourself in the mind of that, like inquisitive reader sure. as like. What, you know, and it can work with any any client. Yeah. I mean, you you're, you might be thinking like, what, what does my B two B client have that's yeah. relevant? It's yeah. like, well, something there is relevant. Yeah. Figure it out and make me excited about it. Because sure. if I'm excited about it, I'm going to do a better job telling that story. Cool, love that. Okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview. What's something you'd like to ask me? Um. Yeah, so you own your own agency and you have for what nine years? No, we're celebrating 15 this year. You're celebrating 25. 15? Yep, we got the big one five this year. Congratulations. Thank you. How have you done this without being a journalist? You just told me you like you don't PR is not the area. I mean, I, writing is something that I learned to be good at and enjoy. Um, but how um I started out as a web, it was a web development company. Yeah, but podcasting is journalism. Oh. So what you're doing right now is journalism. I guess I didn't think about it that way. The You have to be agnostic about the platform. Sure, that makes sense. So this, this, com- content this conversation content. may not have worked very well in print, Yeah, but it is perhaps working well in podcasting yeah. and you're good at that. So how did you fall into creating content in this, on this platform? Yeah, so um, I... The first time I was asked to be interviewed on a podcast, which was um, Stephen Westner, Westner of Onward Nation, um, good professional contact, colleague, friend um, of mine, and he was nudging me forever. Um, and he was probably doing this for about a year and a half. He's like, Lori, you got to be a guest on my show. And I just had the whole imposter syndrome thing happening. And after like the fourth or fifth time that he nudged me, I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And I was on the show and afterwards I'm like, oh my God, that was so fun and it was easy. Um, And that and tied with, you know, as a business owner in marketing, you have to have some sort of platform for thought leadership. And I tried video, but there's just, in my opinion, it used to be, it's not as much anymore, but too much to worry about how you look you know, the visuals, there's just, it's a lot more time consuming. Um, Writing, you know, I can blog, I can create content, but the consistency with that um, was extremely challenging for me. Um, And I found that podcasting, which is probably the most authentic way to just have a genuine conversation, I could be me and not have to overthink it (laughs) from a 
like, do I look okay? You know, is there something in my teeth? You know, worrying about that kind of stuff. Um, I just jumped in and yeah, I mean, I've been doing this show for five years now, which is crazy. I, I hope people it. listen to it. Yeah. Think anyone's gonna listen to this? I, yeah, I hear people listen to it. You know, what's funny is like, I've been out and about, I've been to conferences in different parts of the country and I'll introduce myself and they're like, why do I know your name? And then they start thinking and you know eventually they're like oh my gosh I listened to your podcast and like that's crazy <laughs> like, kind of a big deal like wow I mean I, I I mean it's small micro influencing you know I'd say it's not like everyone's listening to my crime podcast but which I don't have um, yeah but that just seems to be <laughs> I don't have time for that um but no it's fun I love that I can I like to talk I feel like I have a couple decent intelligent things to share people want to listen so um yeah I try to add value I mean education is like a professional personal core value of mine and I love to give I love to mentor I love to educate and I think this is a great way to kind of have a one-to-many platform have you trained yourself to not say um or did you just not say um to begin with? Um? No, you're doing an excellent job. Oh. I'm paying attention because I say it a lot. I did uh, Toastmasters for about a year and that worked, but I found it was challenging for me to commit to the time to create content that wasn't really like adding value to my life in any way. Um, so then I took, I just said it. I, I wasn't going to say anything, but yes. Yeah. I took um, an improv course at Comedy Sports. Oh, that's cool. And that was awesome. It totally, it's funny because I went into that for like strictly professional development of my speaking presentation skills. And I had so much fun. I didn't even go in thinking this is going to be fun. And I had so much fun while learning. So I've been a huge advocate of taking any sort of improv class to help with public speaking and all those components. So I just recorded a podcast and I found a piece of software that takes out filler words Oh, that's and it cool. actually works because awesome. after I heard myself speaking, I realized how much I said, um, and I mean, and you know, sure. and it was terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, do I have to re-record all of this? And then no, there's this like AI software and it's all web-based sure. and it just like takes out all those words and makes you sound cool. That's awesome. All right, Andy, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way they can reach you? So I'm at Andy Tarnoff on pretty much all the platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and I'm Andy at onmilwaukee.com. Don't fax me, please. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but I would love, to, I, I, like you, I love the education side of things because this is a being a media evangelist is is what we've been doing since yeah. before Google. Sure. And yeah, it works. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there are a million people a month reading my website, which blows me away. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I said, I'm now and I love talking about it. And uh, having worked in PR and having worked in media, I think it's a unique um, Venn diagram. And it's still my passion. So, so anytime I can do something like this, it's it's awesome because it's telling the stories of how we got here. Sure. So, yeah, I would I would love to keep it up with anyone who wants to to chat, and they can also just see it for themselves at onmilwaukee.com or on Milwaukee on all of our social platforms. Because it's not just me; it's twenty other people who are, you know, busting their butts every day to turn out great stuff. Cool. 
We'll include all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Andy. Thanks for having me, Lori. All right. This was great. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Andy for taking the time to connect with us. If you have a burning marketing or relationship question, reach out. I'd love to answer it on the show. And as mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. I'm looking forward to hearing from you shortly. I hope you get a lot of enjoyment out of today's show. And I encourage you to go out there and get noticed.